Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Uh, Nice to meet you. Where, Where are you? I'm in the Sister Republic of Santa Monica. Oh, okay. So, very, very, very far away. Yes. <laughs> well, folks, our, our guest today is Rodrigo Garcia. We're here. Oh, Joe's jumping right in. Oh, well, I just thought I would get a jump on it. Um, uh, uh, Rodrigo is, is, is kind of a king of independent film. Um, he's uh, been doing uh, a lot of terrific work uh, over the past years uh and he's got a new film uh out um ray raymond raymond and ray raymond and ray, yeah. raymond and ray uh with uh, uh ethan hawk and um uh Evan mcgregor um and that's 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 his current that's his current film uh but he's got quite a litany of of, of credits uh you know mother and child albert knobs which was a, a movie that is certainly uh, au courant now in these days, uh, and uh, yeah. last days in the desert, uh, and he's um, managed to eke out a a, a very um, acclaimed career uh, in a time of, of great difficulty to get independent films made. Uh, I feel like I continue to getting away with murder. There's no other way to put it. <laughs> Also, I should point out, uh, created uh, in treatment, which um, I'm always. Anytime I think of Gabriel Byrne, I have uh, uh, PTSD only because he was originally attached to my very first script, and then somehow through the magic of uh, Hollywood filmmaking, by the time they were done, Gabriel Byrne had become Casper Van Dien. So um, well, that's right. That's I'm, right. I'm, I'm very, I'm very jealous sc- of that. He's uh, a scary, a scary person. He, um, Casper's lovely. I have I to say, him. I have to say, I have to say, uh, you know, I always feel that I, that I should say that the show itself was created in Israel by oh. Guy Levy oh, and other right. filmmakers. Yes. Okay. And, and, uh, so I adapted it, uh, for American television and, you know, even the word adaptation is kind. It was so well-written, um, that, you know, I, I think it was, you know, it's a long season. There were, it was 43 half hours the first season. So of course, as we went, things evolved a little bit, but I, I wish I could say, uh, with a straight face that I created it, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm a director, so I'm okay stealing credit now and then. Well, one thing that you did, one thing you did create along with John Avnet was uh, a web channel, um, a YouTube web channel called, called Wigs. Which was mainly tar- targeted wigs, yeah. at, um, at, at female audiences, and uh, for which um, you made the film um, Blue with Georgia Styles, which was very well received. Yeah, thank you. You know, we um, we were doing this. You know, YouTube. We had the idea for it. We thought, you know, back then, and it, it, it's amazing to say back then because it's only ten, twelve years ago. You know, the 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 Conventional wisdom was dramas don't do well on the internet. Dramas don't do well on telephones. Dramas don't do well uh, on the web, basically. And uh, but we thought, well, why can't we do these five, seven, eight-minute episodes of, of series or movies and, and do them with the quality of, you know, at least with the intention of the quality of a straight-up drama? And and uh, you know, we managed to convince YouTube <clears throat> to finance. Uh, certainly the first part of it. Uh, 
And uh, lo and behold, while we were doing that, uh, Netflix came out with um, oh my god, I'm I'm in, I'm at that stage in my life where remembering anything is uh, the, the movie about the president, the movie about the president and the first lady, the series about the president and the first lady that was on Netflix. Um, Oh, oh, good Lord. Yeah, we'll edit all this so none of us look like idiots. Yeah, with Kevin Spacey, right? Um, yes. <laughs> what the fuck was that called? Which was based on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here, we'll edit this out and we'll all look brilliant. Um, House of Cards. So, you know, we, we sold this to YouTube. And while we were developing it, uh, House of Cards came out and it was a huge hit. And... Um, the tablets came out, the iPad came out, and all of a sudden people were, you know, watching anything on their iPad and on their computer. You know, all of a sudden, you know, it was the first few days of how we live now, which is consuming hours and hours of drama on a, on a tablet, a computer, a, a TV screen, whatever. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, Obviously, we were doing it with extremely little money. Everyone was doing it sort of as an experiment. And Julia Stiles, you know, who was in the series Blue, was definitely a a great catch for that. I feel like I should point out just just for uh, we are always very loyal to our past guest Rodrigo, and we will be the same with you in the future. Um, the first show to actually do that was Lilyhammer on on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Apparently, yeah. it was it was Stevie Van Zandt's idea. He's the one who sold Netflix on the idea of dropping all the episodes in a season in in one fell swoop. So we have we have him to thank or blame for that, I guess. Well, you know, <laughs> when when we did in treatment, mm -hmm. HBO decided to do two things. First of all, in treatment had you know based on the Israeli had this bold thing, which is it would play every night. The Monday patient, the Tuesday patient, Wednesday, Thursday oh, that's patient. Right. That's right. And then that's on Friday, the shrink would go to his shrink, right. or to his supervisor, or to his friend. Um, so that was five nights a week. What HBO started to do, first of all, it was risky to you know do a show five nights a week. But after a bit, they also started showing all five episodes of the week on the previous Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So again, these were, you know, these were the experimental yeah. periods of what we now take for granted. And it's funny because there are shows that drop a whole season and you enjoy it. And then there are shows that don't. And there's kind of an enjoyment in that also. You know, you have to wait a whole week for a succession to come right around. So there's a school of thought that feels that... Uh, that that kind of presentation lasts longer with an audience than if you can binge the entire thing uh, in one night. And it's like you just saw a movie, but then it's sort of, that's in your past. Whereas if you're watching one of these shows that, that's doled out week by week, uh, there's a certain loyalty factor that comes in uh, and just a, 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 an interest level that is like, I can't wait to see what's going to happen as opposed to already knowing. Mm-hmm. And also, and also, you know, the, the discussion with, uh, with other watchers throughout the week, right. You know, the, the, the cliffhanger comes back into our lives. You know, you get to wait another whole week to see, uh, you know, what, what, what goes on in, in the next episode of the last of us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's, there's arguments for both, but I do, I do think there's a kind of, um, do risk sort of not having you shot at the kind of cultural impact if we absorb your entire tv show on a weekend um yeah you know but yeah yeah well, so, well welcome uh, welcome and uh, rodrigo has Thank come you. up with uh, a, a, a yeah. series of films with uh women characters uh in lead and um it's sort of a, a way of it's sort of his view of um the way these characters are being presented uh, and the, how the directors approached, you know, dealing with all these characters. And, um, and there, there's a, a number of films here that I think, uh, will hit a nerve with, with people who like women. <laughs> there are still some left. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps even the wrong nerve. <laughs> even better. As so many, even as, better. As so many things do nowadays. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I think it's fascinating. And then the idea that some of the directors are, are men and some are women kind of makes it a really interesting, uh, 
You know, the first the first uh, four movies that I made either had a woman in the lead or were about an ensemble of women. And I got a lot of attention for that because I was writing them and, and casting good actors. And, you know, I would hear a lot of things like, you know, oh, he's a director of female characters and he's one of the rare male directors. And I always kept thinking, this, this has never been rare. You know, I mean, it's been, it's, 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 you know, everyone from Bergman to Truffaut to Andre Vida to Fellini, you know, they, they, well, Antonioni much more. You know, so many guys were interested in women in the right way, in the wrong way, in perverse ways, whatever. But I think the, 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 the leading woman, the leading female character, I think has, has you know, has fallen uh, you know, has, has been subject of interest of, of a lot of directors. And then something that I noticed when I would watch, you know, women directors, um, and there are more and more now, but, you know, I'm talking 20, 20 years ago. You know, I'll give you an example. Uh, I remember that movie, Jane Campion did a movie called Bright Star. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there was also Lost in Translation. Um, <clears throat> the piano I have on the list, it's a little different. But I always thought that that the women were able to tell these stories with more delicacy, meaning with more more without the female characters having to be so extreme. You know, I felt that 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 you know a lot. I mean, a lot of these female characters in this in this list that I have here. I mean, the piano teacher. You know, Erica in Michael Haneke's movie. I mean, she is just perturbed i mean she is such a such a i mean a wonderful character and there's no saying that there are no women like this or no humans like this and and of course it passed you know all these characters pass a litmus test which is if a great intelligent actress is going to play her there is something that you know she is responding to um but that that always, you know, I just movies like you know another one, Cleo from Five to Seven, or the character of Charlotte that uh, Scarlett Johansson plays in Lost in Translation. You know, they're all they're all done like with such a gentle touch, um, and doing things that in some ways guys would not dare to do. You know, the woman in Lost in Translation is basically locked in a hotel waiting for her back for her boyfriend to return call or text you know i mean no guy would dare do that and he would get killed for doing that but that is something that that uh you know that 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 sofia coppola recognized as a kind of loneliness and longing and and a love story between two i think they were recent newlyweds so that that always you know <clears throat> That always surprised me, and I envied it. You know that the, the the female characters did not have to be so extreme. Right, she's not broad. You're not. I mean, there, are, there are there are exceptions. I mean, the woman that Holly Hunter plays in the piano. You know, she's a very strong-willed, forceful person. But that's something that I always envied. So that seems like it, yeah, what you're saying. There's not that. There's not that. The, the creators aren't feeling a need to go, uh, now I have to create something interesting for this character. Uh, in the way that I think a lot of, a lot or, of men will, will do or, with or a male they, character. Or what, or what they think is interesting, male f- men feel is minimalist. Right. Well, sure. I'm, I'm just sort of thinking from a kind of like yeah. broad strokes view, if you're right, you know, uh, uh, the idea, the sort of default position for a lot of people, especially, you know, starting out, you're writing, you're a male, you're writing a male character. You're like, well, he's just our hero, and now I got to surround him with interesting characters to make things happen. But it, it's it's taken for granted in your head, at least, that he's interesting just by nature of being there. And then when men come in and try to write women, very often they're going, "Oh, how do I make her interesting?" Whereas well, Sophia Coppola is not sitting there thinking, "How do I make a woman interesting?" Because she's she understands that. Yeah, I think I think also. Um, <clears throat> You know, just the fact that your lead is a woman has inevitably, or it has so far in history, been a 
a statement, a political statement. Uh, uh, you know, it's a political. There's no way to talk about your woman character without her being seen either as this. this a, you know, the woman is a is a circumstance. Right. Um, that that as much as we want to say, oh no, it's not about that. I mean, I say that. I say my movies are not about womanhood. They're not about the things that women share. They're about this woman in particular. Yes, but 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 this person is a woman, and that's part of her. I, I guess you know when when I see those characters in male films, by making them more radical, the women feel a little bit more like the other. Rather than you know they're they're being looked at by the other, whereas in the female cat with the female directors maybe they're treating them like you know she is me. I mean I feel that the female characters I write are me, are an expression of me, but it is true that I, I you know I sometimes feel like yeah I really put them in dire straits instead of just having them, you know, I don't know pick some flowers fall in love, right. Whereas, whereas, yeah, whereas someone like Sofia Coppola is not going to reject the notion of writing something like that, of having her female character pick some flowers and fall in love, because that's a perfectly normal thing to do. Whereas you, you and I might be sitting there going, oh, shit, we can't do that. That's conforming to some sort of ideological portrayal of a woman that I don't want to be accused of, of perpetrating. Is well, that, well know. you know, there's, 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 I think it's part of the credit sequence in Lost in Translation. <laughs> uh, Scarlett Johansson is lying in bed with her back to us and she is naked except for underwear, you know, like panties that are see-through. And it feels so unsexual. It's just a woman sleeping in her underwear and it's not a sexual moment for her. It doesn't, you know what I mean? No, it's just what it is. And, you know, I would look at that and say, God, I wish I could do that. But I can't because as a man, I'm showing a woman in her underwear. You know, my gaze would sexualize this. Uh, and I remember thinking, well, that's lovely. She's just in her own intimacy by herself, in her transparent underwear because she's napping and it's not about sex. But I think, you know, obviously you need you need the 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 gaze of a woman to do that. Do uh, but I'm trying to think. Isn't I had, I had to look here. It, yeah, her her cinematographer on that is 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 a is a man, Lance Accord. Accord. Lance Accord. Yeah. Um. How how I wonder what that's like. How do you how do you get around that? Because I, I would feel you like know, the solution for you would be to work with a female cinematographer. That's certainly going to no. Help, I don't you know? look. And here's and here's the thing. I I also believe that anyone can do anything. You know, I don't agree that. That that you know that someone can't do black history, that blacks can't do Mexican history, that Mexicans can't. If you're working outside of your sphere, I think you will and should be held to a higher standard. You know, if I'm making a movie set in the Inuit community, mm -hmm. they're going to look at it and say, "This is good, this is real, or this is totally fake," and this is your privileged male cisgender Latino point of view but i don't think in principle at a priori we should say no you can't do this so i'm happy to dive into the pool where uh, you know a female character is my main character and i enjoy it tremendously and like i said a great part of her is me so i, I think i think you should do it you should dare um i think a man's point of view of that is valuable but you know, you you will have to respond to what women think of that. I mean, I've written scripts that I have. Again, like I said, for me, one of my great green lights is really does a thinking actor with a life of experience. You know, uh, Naomi Watts, uh, Glenn Close, Holly Hunter. You know, do, do do these kind of actors look at this and say, yes, this is a character. Yes, this is real. Yes, this is a woman I'd like to play. And I've written scripts where I couldn't find an actress because there's something there that I'm missing. You know, in fact, I once wrote a script and gave it to a very well-known actor. And I said, and I ran into her at a party before we'd even spoken about it. And she said, 
uh, I read your script about this character. I hate her. That's what she said to me. And that was kind of a shock because I'd never been told by a woman that they hated my female character. But, you know, that movie was never made. I could never cast it. So for me, I feel okay. That's, that's the first either vote of confidence or thumbs down. You know, that a smart, talented, uh, experienced in life and in work actress will tell me, yes, this is a real woman. Yeah, yeah. If they're coming to you to do that work, then then you've succeeded, I would think. Um, yeah, I, I I was fortunate enough. I had a script years ago that uh, I, I wrote that we almost got made, but the the incredible the number of actresses who came in uh, to meet on it was just so heartening. And my favorite thing about it was they kept saying one of the things they liked about it is that uh, they were just so tired of playing girlfriends, and the part was literally the girlfriend of the male lead. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, it, whatever I, you know, it was based on source material too, which is amazing, but well, she, had somehow she managed have, to transcend that so that it, uh, it that's not how she's perceived even by people who are going to. Yeah. I it. mean, she must, she must have had something that would, that made her, you know, a lot more than that, because yeah. obviously there's yeah. no reason why a good female character can't have a husband or children. Exactly. Exactly. Um, or a wife. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think well, that's, you know, I keep, we, we keep dancing around. I feel like there's a movie on your list. I, I really want to get to, cause it's so interesting and it, it goes to so much of this. And in fact, we had the writer director on the show a few weeks ago. Um, uh, Lydia Tarr in Tarr is, is, I would love to hear your thoughts on that and how that works. I mean, you know? let me, let me say, first of all, that I think it's an excellent movie. So anything I say is all, you know, from the point of view of a convert. But I think, you know, it does fall under my, it's not even a theory, it's an observation, that, you know, she is extremely complicated. Extraordinary character. Uh, an extraordinary character, very complicated. Um, you know, she is an artist of great talent, but also in security, great, uh, uh, confidence and at the same time insecurity you know these young women that she courts and then destroys you know i came away with the impression that the first thing that her first crush is on their talent you know they're young women with talent and that's what just possesses her so she develops a crush on them courts them so as to own them as it were and once they are owned and mesmerized by her she throws them out and, uh, you know, really, really is, is terrible to them. Um, I mean, how many male artists have we seen do that? You know, fall in love with a young protege uh, and then discard them. Uh, so that side of her is pure artist. That's not male or female. As are many of her, you know, her drives, her tempers, her, you know, they're neither male nor female. But it is, it is, uh, I mean, she's, she's extremely, you know, twisted and complicated. Now it's all, it's all so well done that I, you know, I can't, I can't fault. I'm not, I'm not faulting any of these male directors and certainly not Todd, you know, Todd, uh, I almost caught Todd Field. Um, but you know, it, it is, it was for me an instance of, of, yeah, I don't know what it is. I think I think for the I, I don't know. You know, it's 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 not a. You know, for example, there was this lovely movie years ago called "Show Me Love" by Lucas Mudison. It's about two girls in high school or middle school who are in love, and that was that almost felt like it was done by a woman. It was so light. The touch was so light. You know, they just. It, um, but I guess it also depends it depends what you like, you know. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe uh, my maybe, you know maybe maybe my theory is old, because now that I think of something like the worst person in the world, mm -hmm. you know, she's complicated enough, but also delightful. She's not some twisted knot of a person. Yeah. You know, she's just trying to find her way. So Dude, maybe I'm she, betraying she my own, I'm betraying my own boom, boomerness by having this theory. Well, I also, there, there's a thing and I, I can't, you know, I, just, I know 
in both cases that this applies, those are two characters, Tar and, and the lead in um, that film, in which the part was written for the actor. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I didn't it. know that about uh, that, the worst person in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were, uh, the writer and director were a big fan. They'd worked with her on something she had not done a lot, but it was just, they had found her and they were like, oh my God, I mean, the way you do, you know, this is this is a, a yeah. superstar here and we need to we need to catch her before she's, <laughs> and, and built that around her. And obviously, you know, Todd Fields talked about how he wouldn't have done Tar without Kate Blanchett. So there's a an element there that that goes to some of this, I think. But I also I I feel like Joe, we even talked and we didn't talk about this with Todd because what we don't do on our show, uh, Rodrigo, sometimes to our detriment, I guess, is we don't spend a lot of time talking to our guests about their work because the idea is to come to an understanding I through. I think that's a good <laughs> idea for a show. <laughs> and, uh, um, but my sense and the more I watch the discourse around tar, especially is that to some extent, I can't speak to what motivated him to do it, but I keep thinking about how some of the response to the film being what it is and some of the responses to other things, I would be very, I would find it massively compelling to try to write a movie about either Harvey Weinstein or a Harvey Weinstein-like character and make that character the central character. And I know that I work in a business and in an industry in a country where no matter how good a job you do of that, no one's going to make that movie because you run afoul of people who might perceive that as somehow being sympathetic to them, when in fact, what you're trying to do is get inside the mind of a monster. And I feel like Tar does this very clever job by making... Uh, Lydia Tarr, a woman, it, it, those resistances are gone now. We're not, no one is walking into that movie going, oh my God, I don't, I'm seeing a movie about a rapist. This it must be terrible. They're, they're not quite prepared for that. And it, it, it blindsides them with the questions about what makes somebody into that character. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's aspects that make, there's aspects to a character that make that, that, that is not necessarily a male thing you know obviously and again you know when you're thin slicing abuse you get into trouble uh you know from what we know of harvey weinstein he was explicitly a rapist um you know uh as i remember lydia tar you know she abused these people in right. the She's sense that she that, took yeah. them in and you know it's, it's yeah. not it's not the level of physical assault although right. mentally she was she was I feel like if you made yes. a, a movie about a male character who was just like her, you would get. You yes, would get if you crucified. made this movie, if you made this movie about a film director, I mean, you know, it, it, it would be right. I mean, certainly right now, you know. Yeah. I'm not even. I mean, I wouldn't even want to make it. Forget about. It's not. It's not about the climate. It's about well, how it's changed the way we see. It's already. Things, it's already know? been made. It was swimming with sharks, and uh, and I, I can't imagine yeah. Cape Line chat in swimming with sharks. <laughs> You know, one of one of my favorite movies is um, <clears throat> Carnal Knowledge, mm -hmm. oh, and my uh, and I <laughs> yeah. thought, and I thought, you know, and I was, and it was recently. At one point, I was invited to 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 see if I was interested in directing one of his live reads, and uh, you know, I, that movie came to mind. But it, it's untenable. I mean, they they just these are two guys saying such horrendous things that even if you say. Oh, it's not that the movie is like as it was an indictment of that, you know, totally detached, uh, totally un unsympathetic masculinity. The movie is an indictment of that, but to see it in action, it's like, I, no, I don't want to. Thank you very much. It's just, you know, it, it, and again, I don't. I'm not saying because you want to be politically correct. No, no, I understand you know, completely. I think, yeah, I, I think it's just it's just you you've come to understand things differently. I, it's one of those movies that's on a list. My wife is not the cinephile that I am, and I've been wanting you know it's on the list of movies I'd love to show her. And yet at the same time, and as much as you know, I can sit down and go different time, understand the context of this. I just know that that film, the way it has aged, the way the culture has changed around it, I think I would cringe. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it recently, and uh, it, it's yeah. uh, it's a picture that would be, I think, very difficult to play to a, a large audience in a theater today. Yeah, I, I would. I would lean. I would err on the side of my marriage if I were you. Doc. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's into awful stuff, and she'll forgive me. But I, I just really think it would just be uncomfortable to sit there. 
Whereas, yeah. you know, there's something it is. It's an uncomfortable go, well, set. that's the 50s and they were awful in the 50s. Yeah. There's something about that movie. But you know what you say about us being able to tolerate this more with Lydia and the choice of her, you know, the choice of the character. I, you know, I, I think that's fine, though. I think that's part of, of yeah. seeing the phenomenon, meaning I don't think the filmmaker is cheating by making this a, whim, a woman. Oh, nor no, is he no, being, not at all. Nor, nor is he being perverse or trying to be cute. Yeah. No. Part of what it is is it's a woman, and therefore it takes a different form, but it's still a little monstrous. And yeah. then, of course, there's her charisma and her intelligence, you know, are, are just terrific. And plus the performance is mesmerizing. So at one point, you're just like, okay, I'm taking this trip with you, although you are a nutcase. <laughs> True enough. Yeah, and there's such a weird thing about movie stars. It always makes me crazy where I'm watching that film and I'm going, why am I liking this woman? Because I'm liking her. I'm not just tracking her and compelled by her. I'm like, oh, she'll she'll get better somehow, won't she? I'm rooting for her up till the end to improve herself. And no, it's just Kate Blanchett. She, she owns your attention. <laughs> and also there's something there's something not unremarkable about the fact that in the end, she is willing to lower herself to work no matter where, as long as she can continue to make music. You know, it's, it's, I mean, she's, she's, she's artist through and through with all the good and all the bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about some of the others. What do you want? Well, so you, you made a, you made a picture called the nine sisters, I believe. Nine lives. Nine lives. And, uh, yeah. And uh, it's uh, your your interest in um, the uh, Altman picture uh, is oh, three, uh, three 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 uh, three women three women yeah uh, is interesting in that you you there's one particular character that you have gravitated toward rather than the other two yeah the one the one that Shelley Duval plays she plays a woman who is. Always upbeat, always positive. Uh, she thinks the people, for example, in the apartment where she lives, the apartment complex, are her best friends. No one looks at her or replies to her. They ignore her as if she was. And she's always upbeat and she's always, you know, everything is wonderful. Uh, I mean, she was so pathologically upbeat that she's I kind of oblivious she's oblivious but of course it's i mean it's it's almost to a farcical level but you know if you look at her long enough you say okay this is how she gets through the world you know this is a de another defense mechanism is when someone slams a door in your face you say oh i'm sorry you didn't see me <laughs> that that would be her answer to having the door slammed in her face. Oh, I'm sorry, I stood where you didn't see me. Um, and of course, it's it's terrible, but it does say something about the way you know so many women over the millennia have had to yield. And actually, let's not say over the millennia. That's a 20th century movie. Already, women have taken great strides compared to the centuries before but this is has this is what she has to do to make do you know because because she's a waitress and no she's not a waitress they they work in the factory i think right i can't remember where they work um oh in a spa they work in a spa catering to other people of course um but but it is it is a uh you know, the other extreme character is a woman who's a painter and an artist, and she paints in the swimming pools, and she's totally in her head and in her world. But that woman always, I mean, it's its partly hysterical, partly heartbreaking. Um, every insult she turns into either nothing or something that's her fault. And it's horrible. But, uh, you know what she had to do to get through in a world where she's just someone to have sex with or nothing, you know? And I, yeah. But again, you know, a, a pretty extreme character, you know, I, I, I'd be, I'd be hard pressed, you know, certainly in that period, I'd be hard pressed 
Well, of course, I was going to say in that period, but such, you know, fewer women had the chance to direct films back then. And I don't think they would have wasted their opportunity on such a, you know, such a, such a, uh, 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 a damaged person. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It also reminds me of you, uh, uh, the Mike Lee film, um, happy go lucky. Yeah. Well, that that's Sally yes. Potter's. She's also, she's also like, yeah. Every everything is just wonderful, and um, I mean, I don't think she's. I, I can't remember it off the top of my head. I don't think she's subject to the same level of abuse from all levels of society. Well, yeah. In, but, in her case, it's almost a decision to fight back in a in an unusual way. It's like she's yeah. almost trying to bend the world to her sort of innate sense of decency and good cheer. You know, a, a friend of uh, my, my, my mom died a couple years ago and she was a lifelong smoker and she died at 87. So past the age of 80, she said, you know, stop giving me grief with the smoking. I'm past 80. I could die of anything right now. So stop it. But she did have a, a hard two or three last years because she was so diminished in her lung capacity. And when she died, a friend in her generation, a doctor said to me, look, that's what she needed to do to get through. You know, she had anxiety. She did not want to take pills. The cigarette got her through. And it's easy for us to say, oh, she should have quit, da, da, da. You know, we do what we do to get through, you know. It was to get, at 80, I think, yeah. And, and, and I think, yeah, she was lucky. I mean, obviously, there are smokers who run out of luck at 60. Um but I think that's what, you know, that's what you said about the choice of the actress in Happy Go Lucky. Yeah. It's, you know, this is how I'm, this is what I'm going to give the world. And it's going to turn into the world giving me something, if not as good, at least a little good. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I've fully now have come to full terms with the fact that the three of us are here. Yes. <laughs> men of our age. Discussing female characters, female directors. And we will burn in hell for this and let well, it who, be who so. better, who better to break these issues down, <laughs> I think, than, uh, than us. I, I do want to say my, my own grandmother started smoking again at 95 and she died at 100. And I have every she started intention of, smoking at 95. She started again. She had stopped for about oh, 25, again. 30 years. And she was like, 95, fuck it. And I, I, I will start smoking again at 95. I haven't had a cigarette in 30 years. And I am looking forward to that. <laughs> I think it's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> I listen at one point. It's yeah. at a certain point. Yes. Uh, enjoy your time. Movies, movies, movies. That's what we love. And that's why you're here. That's right, Joe. And if you really love movies and you want to collect them, you know that physical media is the only way to go. Forget streaming. You never know if it's going to stick around. You might not be there tomorrow. So uh, we're going to take a break from our conversation with Rodrigo Garcia and just tell you about our fantastic sponsor, MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website. They're not only huge fans of our show, but they feature many of the movies we talk about here, so you can easily find them to add to your collection. Sure, you can stream a lot of stuff these days, but when you buy your favorites, you watch what you want, when you want, there's usually a ton of great content and bonus features, director's commentary, deleted scenes, all sorts of goodness. Plus, it'll be there tomorrow. You can't always say that with streaming. So buy your favorites at MoviesUnlimited.com. Click the Movies Unlimited banner on our website and buy your favorites from hard-to-find films, imports, and more. Go now to MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website, where shipping is always free on orders over fifty dollars. What's which? What should we? So another we another film on your list that I, I always found intriguing, I, which I saw when I was quite young on television uh, in the late movie dubbed was Cleo from Five to Seven, uh, which is a, yeah. a movie about a woman who is dying. She goes to the doctor and, and is waiting for her diagnosis, and so it's between five and seven. She's going to come back and find out whether she's got cancer or not. Yeah, and. Uh... As I remember it, she's going to hear. She's going to hear at seven, but these are the two hours leading up to seven. Is that what yeah. it is? Or well, it's between it it's between window? when she was told and then when she has to come back and find out. Oh, that's right. Um, you know, that's of course is by by a by a woman director. Um, you know, the situation, of course, is 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 high stakes. 
am I going to live or die? You know, certainly high stakes. Um, but it's all it's all dealt with with some humor and some lightness, isn't it? There's there's yeah, something it's about, about it's about how she her perception of the world around her is completely changed during that that two hour period yeah. because there's so much on the line. And she sees things sees things in a way that she wouldn't have before she went. Yeah, I mean, I I, I always thought she was delightful. You know, it's funny because obviously she's waiting for the results of that test. But I haven't seen the movie in a while, and that's was not what came to the foreground when I thought of it. I just thought, oh, it was this slice of her life, two hours of her life. Um, and I remember she started off with a with a card reading, mm-hmm. and then you know episodes that that flow very. And, and she was such an enchanting person. Uh, so although the the. Uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 it possibly a high stakes situation. It's treated with some levity, you know. She's not. Yeah, I don't know. I that that, that movie is a. It's the kind of movie that you see and you say, "Oh, I, I could make a movie like that. I'd like to." And then you sit down to write it, and you're like, "What? What do? What do I do here? What do you know? What do I tell? What? Don't don't you think it, it's like yeah. it's the kind of movie that looks easy to make?" Yeah. Yeah, and it's also unfortunately uh, fairly obscure today. It's not very well known at all. Well, I was going to say, you know, the fact that you saw that on TV late at night. I mean, that's you know, that's well, the kind the, of it stuff. was the early '60s when they would. Oh, we got to we got to fill up the time. Let's, let's take this old package of old movies and yeah, just but but show right, but there. right now it's like impossible. You know, I, I've I've often read interviews with Scorsese that he saw so many of those Italian movies uh, in like New York channels mm-hmm. on TV. Yeah. You know, he saw the neorealists and, and I certainly saw, um, you know, Johnny Guitar is a movie I saw on TV in Mexico late one night. But that's that, you know, that's all gone unless you're in Turner Classic Movies or paying for some service, you know. But yeah, these 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 movies used to play. I mean, Johnny Guitar, I'm not even a, I, I'm not I'm not even a big Western person. But when I saw that, I thought, what the hell is this opera that I am watching here? And I was like 20 and I was like what it's an opera and these women enraged with each other you know it's part feminist and part male fantasy of women who are as tough as guys you know it's it's a it's a very strange uh hybrid but the women were terrific in it i have to say you know it's a, it's a very stylized movie and uh, it's got yeah the, the use of color is is, is very impressive and uh, you know it's it's Fantastic. it's made for republic which was you know basically doing uh, gene autry john wayne movies uh but it's uh it's it's one of nicholas ray's best pictures i think um and i, I mean and, i think it's insane and it's uh it's it, people even 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 the modern generation when they are shown a, a good print of this thing in a theater they they really do get it yeah yeah, and there's so much, you know, obviously, I mean, it's it's written by a guy, directed by a guy, photographed by a guy, you know, we're talking the 50s. Um, but, uh, you know, the women were, were all, I mean, this, this you know, they, 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 they understood these women, they loved these women, they wanted to be these tough women. Um, Vienna and Emma Small, those mm-hmm. names, man. Emma Small, Mercedes McCambridge, Mercedes in like Cambridge, thirty yes. pounds of hatred. <laughs> like a little, she's a, she's a little, she's a little, she's a little, you know, creature of hate, of concentrated hatred and greed. Well, yeah. apparently, she, uh, she and John Crawford had about the same relationship as the characters in the movie. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, that then uh, um, it certainly helped them. Yeah, for sure. Did did Merce- I feel like I only know Mercedes McCambridge from a couple of films? Joe, is that like kind of? I feel like they're often parts like that. Um, well, in in All the King's Men is the one where she was first really noticed, and uh, she was Orson Welles is very big on her. She did a lot of radio, uh, and uh, she has a a telling uh, bit in Touch of Evil where he cast her as a, a butch lesbian. Like, man, um, and, but but even in the I'm sorry, sorry, no go ahead. I was going to say, even in the decade before, you know, 40s and 30s, there was, you know, 
obviously not all female, not all women actors could do this, but there is a history with Barbara Stanwyck, Betty Davis, you know, of of uh, of women playing very strong, determined, independent, uh, you know, women. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, this uh, Johnny Guitar is odd from many angles, but. You know, I, th- I think there were and Mercedes McCambridge. I mean, she was she's one of these people who might have made a hundred movies, right? Although she's not as 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 well known as others are right now, and she played a lot of of, uh, of very tough people, very tough, determined women. She's probably best remembered now as the voice of Linda Blair in The Exorcist. Really, I didn't know that was her. Well, they they, oh, tried, yeah. they she, tried to come. She, they tried to hide it because they didn't want to, you know, take away from Blair. But uh, the, then she got when the picture became such a hit, she sort of came out of the woodwork and said, "Hey, you know." So when, uh, when she started talking in those in those voices, yeah, you know that stuff. Oh my God, that's fantastic! <laughs> just just the idea of Mercedes McCambridge saying your mother sucks cocks in hell is worth the price of admission. Apparently, it was. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, like uh, she's she's wonderful, and I feel like I feel like she often though got coded. She was one of those actresses. I mean, as much as like Eve Arden or something, who was generally playing a very sort of you know veiled lesbian character in in a lot of the films she was in, because um, she didn't quite conform to some kind of current current sense of what a woman should look like or something. But yeah, um, yeah, she's. He's great. Shall we, shall we talk about you did, you mentioned earlier the piano. Um, I mean the piano, you know, that, that, that I suppose is uh, an exception to my newborn uh, mansplaining rule. Uh, You know, that's, that's a, that's a woman who is, I can't remember if she's married off, but she's certainly not married for love. Right. She's married to a man who takes her to this very remote Island. And she's unhappy she's about like a, she's it. She's a mail order bride, is my sense. I yes. can't remember. I think have, I think she's a I think she's a widow. Him. She's a widow, right? Because yeah. she comes with her daughter, um, and and uh, and she's mute. We assume by choice because it's never said if she's a selective mute, but um, but just the fact that you know we meet her landing giving orders about the piano. It's all about the piano. She's not neglectful to the girl, but, you know, the girl is in the periphery. And it's all about the piano, and she won't speak, which, if is if it's a choice, it's just a super hard-nosed one, you know? I mean, to say, you know, to say to, to you know, to... To let your husband, your new husband, know, here I am, but I don't speak. And screw you if you don't like it. I mean, that's remarkable. I maybe, I mean, there's details I may not be remembering. Um, and then, you know, she has that torrid love affair with the, with the uh, indigenous man or the man who lives there, who's partly indigenous, played by Kaitel. And it's so, you know. I remember the, um, the, the there's a couple of you know erotic scenes between them, and I c- can't remember it now. But I remember thinking when I saw them, yeah, these feel like they're done by a woman. It's a different thing. It's not. It's not. It doesn't have that same. I don't even know what to call it, because and they're not literally shot from her point of view. But there was something about how they were approached that I thought, Oh yeah, this, this is something only a woman director can do. I think, or I thought so at the time. Um, yeah, Cause they're not, you know, they're not un, non un erotic. They certainly are. No, they're, to, they're, they're totally erotic. A, I mean, it's, I, yeah, mean, she's, she's putting, different... I mean, she's, she's in a period where she could be killed for that affair and the husband be let off the hook. I mean, we're talking high stakes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but but it is I, interesting I, trying to trying to pinpoint the difference, and I think this this yeah. this is where someone's listening to this right now, going, "Those fucking idiots." Because well, <laughs> I, look, I, 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 listen, we, we, I, I'll say I'll say in our favor. I, I mean, I'm looking at it, 
and wonder and wonder. Yes. Saying, yeah, oh my God, I'm look at you. this erotic scene. And it's not like the character of of uh, Harvey Keitel is not macho. You know, he's almost mm-hmm. a primitive man in the way he's presented. Yeah. You know, he's got tattoos and he's half naked and he's seen naked. He's the only naked person in the movie, full frontal. <clears throat> um, and so, yeah, I watched that in wonder saying, wow, these are like different. How, what is she doing here? That that I'm not understanding, you know. Who who knows? Yeah, no, I I agree. I, we watched it recently, and I had that same reaction. And and um, uh, it, it did. It felt like a limitation that I couldn't quite figure out yeah. why. I mean, certainly in the in the narrative and, and the performance, she does have some power over him, and it's not the usual dopey, just the power of sex. I mean, he is he is. Um, well, they, they feel they feel like they're in love and equals in a strange way, you know, because they're both they're both uh, come across as hardened individuals, you know, or yeah. tough individuals. Um, and the and her husband, who represents the you know traditional Western patriarchy, is a bit of a, a bit of a wimp. And she she has sympathy for him. Too, which is interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like if a man made that film, they would go out of their way to make sure you understood that the Sam Neill character was just reprehensible and irredeemable. But she actually, she actually no, has some, I mean, some heart for him. Gene Campion does it. Well, yeah, because he is also, you know, a victim of that world. You know, this idea he's been yeah. told, "Hey, you can get yourself a mail order bride." Right. And guess and guess what? You know. Yeah. Yeah. He has yeah. no tools to deal with what happens. Yeah. Um, well, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't understand. He doesn't. He doesn't understand her at all. Yeah, yeah. In any way, I guess I, I saw it for the first time in, however, at least a decade or since it came out uh, recently, and and uh, it it hit me even harder this time. I mean, that's an incredible film. It's uh, and some of that due to the culture that we live in and the changes that sort of have taken place. It's, it's also it's, you know unrelated to what we're talking about. An extremely beautifully made movie. You know, yeah. just the the oh. filmmaking is terrific. Yeah, yeah. You're you're a fan, right, Joe? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. No, she's she's great. What's what's next? We've got a couple. So, of uh, Nomadland. Ah, well, Nomad Nomadland. I I really love that movie, and you know something about Nomadland that that attracted my attention is, you know, she is in some ways, a strong, independent person, right? Her, her husband has died or, or did die before, and she has decided that she is going to travel the world and live like a nomad, <clears throat> which immediately tells us of, you know, adventure. A woman alone, of course, is independence, character, some, some tolerance for risk and risk-taking. Um, and... and uh, you know, and she's out there, and and she's certainly physically tough. But I also came away with the idea that she wanted to step to, to keep moving because she was afraid of loss. You know, if you plant, if you if you grow things, if you attach yourself to things, if you marry this guy David Strathairn, if you live with him, then you lose. You know, there's always the risk of losing again loss and again that is not i don't know if that's there that's me projecting myself on her you know but but i thought it was interesting you know she's presented as a woman making independent choices but the fact that she is and that she is a woman making independent choices with intelligence and strength cannot take away from a person's vulnerability and i saw that vulnerability as if i keep running i might outrun loss hell if i keep running i might outrun death you know that 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 was the uh anyway that's how i projected myself on it but i i mean i thought that was just a a wonderful movie and you know again talk about people doing things outside of their culture you know um you know chloe zhao is is a, a chinese director and she comes to do something extremely american and you know what can you say except that it's very good? If it wasn't very good, then you could say, oh, well, she's out of her element. 
you know, in the movie she did before about the, about the, about the rodeo cowboy. Yeah. You know, not only super American, but about a guy. So that's yeah. even another, you know, another, another, uh, uh, degree of, of, uh, of separation. So yeah, I, I, Nomadland, I, I thought, I mean, I, I really, you know, she goes to visit David Strathairn's house at the end. And I think that's a dinner with, with his son. And I think there's maybe the son's wife and maybe there's a kid. But all of a sudden, the stuff that seems cozy to most people, to her was like, I have to run away from this. I cannot attach myself to something that I could lose. Again, my own projection on her. I, I, I'd be curious to see what either the actress or the director thought about that. I think one of the strengths of the movie is there is its authenticity because uh, the um, the interviews with the other characters, many of whom apparently are real people who live that way. Uh, I think I think except for I think except for McDormand and Strathairn, they all are. Yeah, and and that a lot of the dialogue and stuff came from interviewing them and and the stories they told. They said, "Well, hold that story and tell it on on camera." Uh, so yeah. you really get a sense that you're not watching a story with actors you're watching something that's really lived uh and that and, and, i think i think that yeah that and as you guys know that, as you guys know fitting a real actor into a world like that and not have them stick out like a sore thumb is a total feat very dangerous very yeah. dangerous well she has an amazing job movie. and yeah, I mean the movie. It's actually my one. It's kind of great, but I just and I I love him so much in everything, and I think he's amazing. But David Strathairn uh, kind of stands out in that film, and I know he's not quite from the same world all the other people are, but everybody else in that looks so weather beaten and normal and everything else, and then just this stunning, gorgeous movie star shows up in the middle of it you, all. You know, when I saw I saw the movie twice, and when I saw it the first time, I agree with you. I thought that was the only thing that wasn't but then the second time i thought well he's the one who falls out you know he's not right he's not really one of them he's not he's not really one of them Um, well as you were talking about his appeal too you were making me come around to it because he he needs to be uh extraordinarily compelling to her as well and what a great way to shorthand that but with someone who's you know (laughs) got that look it's yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's the kind of guy you know, like the he's the kind of person that can be so appealing that you know you wouldn't think twice, you wouldn't judge her if she immediately fell in with him. So yeah. the last uh, film on your on your list is one that you uh, said you had your own particular uh, view on uh, of the character, and perhaps different than the one that we have. Uh, which is Mary Poppins. Well, I mean, here I'm really going to go on thin ice and I'm going to sound like some, you know, knucklehead boomer. But I saw the movie, of course, growing up when I was a kid and, you know, I remembered it. But then when I had my daughters, I saw it literally dozens. (laughs) And by then I was already I was already a writer director. And first of all, the movie was better made than I thought. I mean, it really is a good movie. But I kept thinking, what is this British nanny am above everything nonsense? Do you know what I mean? I kept seeing her as someone with enormous longing, very alone. Who knows what happened to her that she chose this nomad land world, right? <laughs> right. The wind has changed, so I'm off. It's like before I get too intre- <laughs> before I start feeling too much, before I start getting too close to you. Before I start loving you guys, I'm catching the next wind. So I started seeing her as, uh, you know, a beautiful, dare I say, sexy. Now I'm reducing her to an object. God bless her. Um, uh, But I did, you know, as an adult seeing it, I'm thinking, okay, what is going on here? It's easy to say she's Mary Poppins. What's going on here? And I thought, She's she's just someone who has to come in and run away before things get too close, too serious, too hot, before I fall in love again and my heart is broken again. Again, that's me projecting myself on Mary Poppins. But But she also has to blow you away. I mean, she can't just leave you. She has to leave you 
knowing that you'll never find anybody like her again, right? Because there's no so so imagine imagine if, if we take that as a theory, imagine so, the pain that she's in. You know, right. That you, you know who who did what to her? That this is how she lives now. Again, absurd. I can see the Tim Burton <laughs> but, but, remake yeah. now. You get that, to that or, point, or, you or, know that or, if you or the remake or the remake by a female director who has a whole yeah. new take. And 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 certainly, of course, there's there's the possible remake, uh, you know, where where she's gay, and it lives in a world where there is no such thing. Yeah. I mean, not not accepted anyway. But anyway, that's that's uh, that's an I, I only I only I only I only brought it up because it's you know it's <laughs> just like just like as I was thinking how male directors, you know, approach women characters. And how women characters approach women characters, there is that thing, of course, of how we see them. You know, there is a gaze. I mean, what I just described is watching Mary Poppins from a totally male gaze, meaning mm-hmm. she is an attractive, aloof, which, of course, is a magnet for a lot of guys. You know, the fact that she's a nanny that can spank you. <laughs> Am I revealing too much about myself now? <laughs> well, that's why we're here. Yeah. No, but anyway, but but I thought I'd br- I brought it up because it's again, it's the male gaze. You know, you see different things, and therefore, when you're doing female characters, you treat them a certain way, and 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 women treat them a different way. I mean, I'm sure there's some female filmmakers who are going to listen to this and say, "You perv, Mary Poppins is just Mary Poppins, you <laughs> dirty old man." But, 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 but but yeah sure but at the same time you know uh, and also I was just checking to confirm because it's been such a long time since I thought about it but I do recall the film is relatively close to the the, the books and she's created by a woman P L Travers that's right she, she is as a woman and and that fundamental aspect of her character that she swoops in and then takes off while you still want more um, is part and parcel of that character <laughs> yeah I mean. Uh, as Walt Disney discovered when he tried to talk her into letting make, make the movie. There's a, there's a whole movie about that. You know, even other movies like, um, you know, Real Women Have Curves, that has such a great female gaze to it. You know, the humor is so, is so different, I think, from how, how a guy would have done it. It's even when the, you know, the women laugh at themselves and they cry and they talk about their asses. And and it's all it's all with such affection. It's it's not that it's not critical. Things can be critical and be done with affection. But I think you know, you know that director Patricia Cardoso's female gaze on that movie is is uh, is absolutely uh, you know winning. Um, anyway, there are many. I saw recently. I saw this African movie, Atlantics. Uh, and I, I thought that was also very good about a young African woman in uh, in Senegal. Wait, no, but I, I don't want to run away from Mary Poppins yet because I, I had to confirm it's been a I'm long time. I'm trying to run away I've... because I, I, I can see. No, 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 I can see. I can see the. I can see the line that says, "Garcia canceled." <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but what's interesting about For what you're saying is I'm diving in. I, I hadn't remembered all the details, but I remember there was a lot of there was a lot of heat around the movie Joe mentioned. Um, what was it called, Joe? Saving Mr. Banks, yeah. uh-huh. which was all about Walt Disney convincing uh, or, or P.L. Travers to to let him do that. And the the hullabaloo around the movie about it was that it completely changed the facts, which were that P.L. Travers did not care for the Mary Poppins movie at all and felt. And I think this is worth factoring into what you're discussing here for a minute at least she felt that mary poppins was much too nice her character was much flintier and tougher and more cynical well it's funny because i think by hollywood standards of that period there was some flintiness meaning she was aloof you know she wasn't trying to please in fact she puts people in her place all the time you know um but i I, but probably they probably couldn't go as far as as far as she would have liked them to, you well, know. But, but some of that is in so the they, casting. I mean, I think everybody always yeah. thought of Julie Andrews as a loop, you know. Yeah, but I mean, I think, but I think what she called that flintiness and that sort of a little yeah. bit more rubs the rubs the wrong way. 
um, you know, they turned into that aloofness, you know, because uh, yeah. she's always, you know, funny and warm, but it's always at arm's length. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to Mary Poppins. Yes, fascinating. So basically, Mary, <laughs> Mary Poppins is is uh, all of our college girlfriends. <laughs> oh, God. Stop. Stop. While, stop. While we're ahead. I thought for a moment, for a moment, for a moment, uh, a lady that I suspect Joe maybe is your wife was there in the background. And I said, okay, if we say anything incredibly foolish, at least she'll react. But she didn't. So that that's, only, that's because I use earphones and she He's can't hear what you're saying. On. Oh, <laughs> I'm no fool. No wonder. Well, no my, one. my, my wife, my wife listens to the show in the car when she's driving around and, um, even though we've been doing this for years, she will still call me anytime anything happens in the show, either that she loves or that she wants to um, uh, tell me uh, uh, I'm a complete idiot about. So um, I, I will get I will get running commentary on this one. I can't wait. Did you did you uh, <laughs> did you have Chloe Zhao on? No, we've not. I I know. We, I don't know we that reached out to her. I think we did. During, we did reach uh, out, but we didn't hear back. Yeah, we we did. Yeah, I'm we sure, to get I'm sure she'd be she'd be great to. Uh, she'd be great oh yeah, to no, we'd to we'd her. love to. We would love to have her on and the invitation. You know who's experience. another terrific director is the woman who did. Um, is it the funeral? The one about about um, uh, Aquafina going to China because the the grandmother is very ill. Is that called the funeral? Oh, was it uh, the farewell? The farewell. The farewell. I thought that yeah, was ter- I thought that was terrifically directed and you know a lot of humor and a lot of pathos and a lot of understanding of her character and yeah that was really terrific. Yeah, actually that's what I was just saying yeah we reached out to her as well so <laughs> no one escapes our our, Again, uh, our blanket yeah, open open invitation and if you want to come in and um, uh, challenge Rodrigo's uh, take on Mary Poppins I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it. I, I can't you know, imagine if- hearing that and going ah. If there is, if there is, I will happily come on and be educated. <laughs> well, Rodrigo, thank you for bringing your male gaze to uh, the movies. That may be. <laughs> thank, you. thank you, because I'm sure you guys don't have enough of that over there. I don't know. I was, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. We'll have to have a, a great woman filmmaker come on now and, and break down portrayals of men in like 10 movies. I think that would be an interesting... Uh, you know what's also interesting, because I was thinking of that, is... You know, women like Catherine Bigelow, who have done a lot of movies about about guys and not only guys, but guys in traditionally, you know, traditionally masculine, you know, the army. She's she's the new Ida Lupino. You know, so so it's, uh, you know, that that, of course, would be interesting. But yeah, thank you. And I hope uh, I hope our career survived uh, Mary Poppins. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thank you, Rodrigo. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. The Movies That Made Me is the official podcast of Trailers From Hell, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. We are proud to be part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Learn more at airwavemedia.com. This is Josh Olsen for The Movies That Made Me. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.